Welcome to the We Are Die podcast. We are your hosts, Adrian Spataru and Bogdan Andrusak. And in this episode, we're going to talk about psychology and mental health. I think at this point in time, everybody understands uh, how severe a problem for our society is different mental issues like anxiety and depression. And it became normal for people to talk about these issues and seek help and not be ashamed and understand it's completely normal. Approximately 15.5% of the global population is affected by mental illness And those numbers appear to be rising, especially during Corona time. And although there are many who require mental treatment, more than 50% of mental illnesses remain untreated. Also, as you mentioned, with the lockdown, I think the rise of mental issues is becoming a bigger problem because there's not enough medical personnel to be able to treat everybody and even in developed countries like USA or around Europe, there's not enough psychiatrists and psychologists to just be able to spend enough time for everybody. And this is where maybe technology can come in and help. So, So before we're talking about AI, we should maybe understand the current landscape or how is general software helping in this field. So there are a lot of companies which offer on-demand psychiatrists on, let's say, on your phone. For example, InstaHelp and other companies. And it seems like a good first approach where you can contact a psychiatrist remotely and the psychiatrist can reach a lot of people from comfort of their location. So this slightly helps certain you know, at least then when it comes maybe for diagnosis or whatever, or quick help, you can have that access remotely without being near to a psychiatrist. I think there's also a big advantage of having remote help, especially if it goes through the via app, some way of app, you can collect data and analyze the session or was it successful or uh, not successful. Very interesting project was done by the group or called 8 Billion Minds. They, they had a project where they providing this psychology help and they were collecting data. So their sessions were text-based, so it was not a call, but all text. And I really like their idea of creating embeddings of psychology sessions. Because as we already know, in AI, feature engineering is one of the biggest problems. And they come up with really great way to create basically a vector of from psychology session. <laughs> So the duration of session can be split in different time frames. And then you can analyze what what was people talking in this time frame. Was it some just chit-chatting or was there some questions directed to from a psychologist to the person to, to get some response connected to the issue? And they labeled those sessions with the labels like greetings, which usually, you know, at the beginning of sessions and a chit chat. And then those 
medical talk or reputical talk where doctor asks something and patient responds. And then they can analyze and see how, how different sessions had impact on different people. Because in the case of this therapy, people uh, usually uh, have to self-report their how they feel, to fill the chart, did they have problem with sleeping, which is common with depression or other problems. And after after that, you have a scores and you can see which session improves those score better because it's different people, different types of treatment work. And it's uh, really important for psychologists to uh, recognize is a therapy helping immediately. Sooner, sooner they realize it's better to adjust uh, their approach to individual person. Well, the I can also help even identifying or pre-identifying if a person has, let's say, depression. There was a paper where they took 500,000 Facebook posts with their comments. And they, again, big topic in machine learning, feature extraction. In this case, they did word and phrase extraction and topic modeling of the comments and the content. And they were able to identify depression-associated language markers. And uh, yeah, they could predict pre depression up to three months before the person receives a formal diagnosis. So we could use you know, preventive, let's say, detection of maybe certain mental issues. I mean, diagnosis when it comes for depression is more easier than, let's say, other mental issues, which are, I guess, harder to associate with a language. So it depends, yeah. But it's a good step in, the, in that regard. Uh, for yeah. me, it's interesting how how the social social. For me, it's interesting how the social media is now trying to uh, to invest into the detecting depression or other mental issues. When I think one of the biggest contributor to our mental health is the issue of social media and generally how a lot of AI systems now work when they create those bubbles and they always put some news on you, always trying to stress you up to get you hooked to stay in a, on a website for a longer time. Yes, like one example, you could say YouTube is a, a kind of a social media nowadays. The AI recommendation system, the main thing it tries to optimize is watch time. So given so that means that it doesn't really care, oh, you're you're happy with your life, or oh, I'm watching maybe the video which changes my life or makes me the most productive person or whatever. The only thing it cares is that you watch that screen as much as much as possible. And I, I wouldn't be surprised that other companies have similar metrics because if you do not pay for the product let's say Facebook, Instagram for the account or YouTube, then you're kind of the product. And the way they make money is through ads and your data. And when it comes to ads, which I would think is the main revenue stream, then the main motivation here is that you watch the more content. The more content you watch, the more ads you see. So it's kind of inherent from how these AI machines are engineered. You maximize revenue. How do you maximize this? Well, <laughs> you see the effects, what can happen if you maximize this particular metric. 
And you know, from working in newspaper, I know that the content that generally gets the best performance is usually stressful content. It's like yeah, the news about some crimes happening or news about terrible accidents. And uh, new, in newspaper, we have editors, so they select you know what should go to into front page. So they never put too much of the this stressful content in front page. They they keep it diverse. But in case of recommender systems, automated systems like on YouTube or other platforms, it can be it happens that it will only recommend this negative content, stressful content that will create a picture in your head that the world is a terrible place and only things that are happening, explosion, wars and death. I personally, when researching for this podcast episode, I couldn't find any paper, at least, which was talking about how do you balance, let's say, the main metric, which is, let's say, watch time or, you know, staying active on the platform. Let's say revenue, right? That's what you think you care the most. And let's say well-being of the community. And it's also kind of hard to do, right? It's like it's not really the objective mental health to measure, right? You cannot, like, let's say, oh, these are people are not good and these people are good you see these things over time over long term so it's also tricky also for companies who want to do good i mean okay they, they could just don't use the recommended system which they're currently using okay maybe the solution is more obvious than than not but i think for public companies they do not have that freedom when when you have all those stakeholders on you this is more a freedom of a small company but okay let's go Back to AI. Yeah, and, back, back to the uh, core problems that we started talking about. So, the, like we talked about chat applications. The biggest company which I could find which is working on this space is Ginger. So, it's very similar to all those other apps which you can, you know, just press a button and you're, you're logged in to, with a psychiatrist. This is very similar, but this is offered for companies. So what they do is they provide direct counseling services to employees. So the employer will pay Ginger and Ginger will offer the, to the companies like for every employee that. And it basically analyzes the words the person uses. And based on that data, they could provide recommendations. So they have, I think, over 2 billion behavior data samples. And they have like 45 million chat messages and yeah, and they so far they have like two million clinical assignments. So they have a lot of data which they can already do like this next step of providing recommendation. Something similar what you mentioned in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> what did you I mentioned at the beginning of the episode? Is this eight billion mine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and. Um, I think a lot of employers are looking into not controlling, but checking the welfare of their workers, especially now, and also people working remotely, because I think in office setting, people cannot tie somebody behaving strangely. And now when we are all Zoom calls or just chatting, it's really hard to notice when somebody is feeling bad. So the clues can be in a text, like just change change of pattern, how, how people are writing can be helpful and it, this such system can notify managers and HR that maybe this person is feeling a little bit off, maybe they need some 
you know, extra vacation. Yeah, and like even let's say you would have an AI. So there is the AI which you could use to identify emotions on the face and also detect fake emotions. Like there's research on detecting, making like face landmarks, which is science of mapping your face and then classifying those face expressions to certain emotions and so on. And, you know, with a sequence of this, you can have a sequence of emotions and you could maybe classify some stuff. But the problem is like, well, okay, that sounds good in theory, but in practice, the frame rate on your on your Zoom chat is like very slow. And like you can miss these micro expressions, you know, which happens in a person's face, which fundamental if you really want to understand how a person is maybe feeling from their face emotions. To be honest, like on my opinion, I, I think those technologies are good, but they are far, far away from being really implemented in a workplace effectively. I think it's nice that uh, they are emerging and there is an idea that we, that employers should take care about welfare and health of their workers. And, uh, but I don't think that detecting depression just by visual is kind of possible because I think that's where you need a lot of knowledge of psychology and psychiatry to actually be able to to say something because of course you can collect data set of like 10,000 people with de who has depression their faces and 10,000 people without depression and make classifier and then be like okay the, the model said that this person is probably depressed just because of face but I don't think it's a good approach. I think especially visual classification and the motion detection can really help inside the therapy. It can help, how can I would imagine it? It's like you, you have the therapy session going and the camera can pick up all the subtle movements of the person and then a doctor can review it and see it. Because I think the prof people with lots of experience, they don't need such help. They, you know, they have years and years of practice. They can pick up all subtle hints and changes of expression. But maybe people that just start practicing, they can benefit from using another AI. <laughs> That said, if you, you would use EEG for like to detect uh, depressive disorders or bipolar or schizophrenia, you could use EEG to actually detect those things. So when it comes like from text, it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, it's a hit or miss. Like I, I read this paper where it was very recent last month on de detecting bipolar disorders on Reddit comments and so on like this. And this is based on self-reported people. But still, it's you know NLP and with camera, it's stake. You're simplifying. You're removing. You're simplifying the human communication quite a lot. You know, taking everything into account. And with this lack of with the simplification, you won't be so good. And therefore, you know, psychiatrists can, as you mentioned, pick up all those subtleties way more easier and without any effort most of the time than you know these tools which don't have a chance. Let's say. Yeah, but it's also important in the sense they are those tools are not 
aiming to replace yes. anybody just for this early detection and maybe suggesting person because I think some people just go with depression or and other like anxieties without really realizing that they have it. They just feel bad or sad and they don't know what's happening with them. But if there is something that can, you know, there just be like, you know, you can, you should check for help and not be uh, sad all the time. Other, the other thing that I was trying to find for, for this episode is uh, how communication with AI uh, can affect people. Like, so I'm mostly talking about chatbots and virtual assistants. I didn't find too much on of information how it really affects people. But there is quite enough work done into the research of can virtual assistants help help with detecting, uh, detecting depression or like, yeah, diagnosing depression. And uh, there was an experiment in France. They took people, they, they didn't took people, they conducted... They kidnapped them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they selected people that uh, were complaining about sleep issues. So they, they had quite a lot of people between 18 and 65. And of course, everybody agreed to this experiment. And they were talking to virtual assistant, completely like 3D rendered person. And it was just a questionnaire. And it was talking, so it was not chatbot. It was with the speech generation, lip synchronization. So it was like talking to virtual person. And because of the questionnaire that was developed, they managed to find, to, to diagnose depression in, in the people that then later proved to be depressed after doctor evaluated them. And, and that was very interesting for me, this idea of human-computer interaction. Because for me, I don't really like chatbots and virtual assistants. I never use like Siri, I never use voice assistant. For me, it just feels really strange. I don't know, maybe it's because, you know, I'm more familiar with those technologies, understand what's going on background, but maybe just my personal preference. But it seems that people in this experiment, most of them said it was a good experience to talk with these virtual assistants and they yeah, kind of helped them. Yeah, related to, to what you said with like Siri and stuff like that, I also feel the same, like I maybe because we know how these things work. But I think it's like we are biased in that regard because we don't see AI as like, you know, like this self-aware thing, you know? And if you feel like, okay, this thing has some intelligence inside, spoiler alert, they don't, it doesn't have. But I guess like if you come like with no experience, like, okay, this is AI, which is a bit self-aware, let's say it's certain regard and it's here to help me, you know, maybe you, that already helping you open up to a bot than let's say we, because you know, like, yeah, I know you have birth behind you. Because I think it can be, could be maybe one of next types of therapy where people just talk with AI because maybe some people are ashamed of some things to tell to even to the therapist and they always keep it in a secret. But if they can discuss it with, you know, virtual things that, probably won't judge them, 
uh, then maybe those people will, would be able to open up more than they can open up to any other people. When I was doing my bachelor's, I, our professor, I don't know what lecture, I couldn't find any reference. But in the 90s, 80s, um, there, there was a basic, we're talking about like rule-based system times AI, where they would exactly have like a, a chatbot where you can discuss, you know, with your AI and, you know, you just try to feel, get, you know, help from that AI. And it basically just like whatever you said is like, so why do you feel like that? Or, you know, why do you think that you say like, okay, I feel sad, you know, why do you feel sad? Like it will do stuff like that, you know, like just constantly, I feel like I'm not understood. Why don't you feel understood? Right? It would just be free. And so on. So yeah, it, it was. Uh, it so I think since in the early days of AI, we always try to make AI help humans with their you know mental issues. I want to bring one more topic, and this topic is related to privacy. So there is a company called Bark, and it's a parental control phone tracker app. Uh, now, and basically it monitors like mess the messaging of the child phone and the, on social media platforms, and it tries to look for signs of cyberbullying or, you know, suicidal thoughts, even sexting from a child's phone. So I mean, okay, I, I can see how can this be helpful with the methods we have previously discussed so far. We can see we can detect those things, and it's like. You know, how much data should we give these companies? Because this reminds me of like a Black Mirror episode where there was like, what? They, the parents control. Could, the eyes, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the parent could see the eyes of a child. Like how far can you go with this? And the same thing is like with mental health. These apps, like how far from your personal life they should they have access to? Because like, okay, it's fine if they read the data. I don't want nobody to store it. Like it should be removed. But these companies need the data to train the algorithms and more. And maybe there's no other ways to make more money from that, that data except helping people. Yeah, it's like I don't want advertisers to know that I'm depressed or something. Yeah, it's like you get exactly advertisement, exactly like, oh, I know when you're the most vulnerable. Let me show you this ad so I know you will buy it. Like, like it can go in very scary directions. Exactly. Also, like, it can improve the recommendation algorithm. It's a one more feature. Maximize that watch time, right? <laughs> exactly. So, as always, it's like, you know, a stick has two ends. 